Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. You know, if you've lived in Colorado any length of time at all, and you've been hiking in the mountains or fishing up there, and it's a bright sunny day, and then all of a sudden you see these storm clouds starting to roll over the over the horizon or over the mountains, and all of a sudden, man, you're in a deluge, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and, and it's like, man, there's no escape. It's everywhere, and it's like, just comes out of nowhere, and, you know, a few years ago, a friend of mine uh, named George, <laughs> he was a character. We, uh, we went fishing. Well, first of all, let me back up. He bought this aluminum boat. I think it was a boat, but it was all dented. It looked like it had been run over, but he was so proud of this boat. And he had a little trolling motor on the back. So he came up with this bright idea, let's go to Blue Mesa and go fishing. So, oh, sure, yeah, let's go. So we get into this rickety old boat, and we go out into the middle of Blue Mesa there. And, man, it's a, it's a nice day, and we're catching a couple of fish. And, and then all of a sudden, clouds start to roll in. All of a sudden, the wind starts to pick up. All of a sudden, the waves are starting to come up and crash into the boat. And the boat's filling up with water. And so George, as smart as he is, says, we better head back to the land. And I said, yeah, you're right. So we start going, but the wind was behind us. So all the water was coming into the boat. And George was back there, and he was a big guy. And so the boat's starting to do this, right? And I'm up front bailing water as fast as I can. I said, man, we're not going to make it. He says, I don't know if we are or not, but thank God we did. And we got to the shore, and and you know, we survived the storm, and uh, I was so thankful we did, but I never went in that boat again. <laughs> but uh, the reason I say that or I bring that up is because storms in our life are a lot like that, aren't they? They just seem to come out of nowhere. We don't expect them. We don't see them coming, and then all of a sudden, some, something hits, and, and one moment everything's fine, and then suddenly, usually without warning, some life event happens. Some storm comes our way, and, and we're surrounded by it. And there's an old saying in the church, and I'm sure we've all heard it time and time again, that, you know, either you're about ready to go into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're about ready to come out of one. Either way, you're going to be in a storm, right? Now, there's all kinds of different storms that can come at us, um, in the world, I mean, we've had all different experiences with, with life events, right? And some of these storms are personal. You know, there's sickness, there's death, there's loss of a job, there's divorce, there's financial stress that can, that it's a type of storm that can hit each one of us at, at any moment. There's other storms that are emotional. It could be a storm of depression, of anger, of anxiety, or, or fear of some kind but it feels like you're in the middle of a storm. And there's also storms that are spiritual in nature because we have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to rob our joy, to rob our hope, to rob our peace. And, and all of a sudden we're going, you know, what happened? We're in the middle of it. And sometimes we just don't see it coming. And for me... I had, a, I mean, we've all been in several storms, but for me, I went to a routine um, eye exam just to get my eyes checked. It had been a while. I just felt 
um, you know, that it was time to go and check my eyes. And so go to the eye doctor, and they take that 3D thing, and, and he comes into the room, and he says, I think there's something suspicious in your eye, and we better get it checked out further. And I went, okay. And so we go to another clinic, and, and they examine it and say, you have melanoma. And, you know, it's, it's scary when you hear that word. I, it, it came out of nowhere. You know, I was just going for an exam, and all of a sudden I hear, you have melanoma. And it was in the back of my eye, and, and you know, it says, you know, it's really rare, you know, but usually people with light, you know, blue eyes or light hair or something, especially in this UV that we have in this, in this area, in Colorado especially, at the altitude, he says, we're seeing more and more of it all the time. And, you know, thank God, you know, he, they referred me to a good doctor out in California. I had to go through um, uh, radiation treatment, proton radiation. They sold, sewed markers in my eye and shot it with this radiation. But, man, praise God because of a lot of prayers here. Um, you know, the, it's still there, but it's shrinking. My, <laughs> my eyes, my prescription hasn't changed a bit, you know, and it's totally a miracle. But that, but that was my storm. And, you know, but maybe you're financially doing well, and then, you know, a storm comes, and, and, and all of a sudden you don't have a job anymore. Like what just happened at Golden Corral. All those people were there one day, and the next day, hey, we're closed. You're out of, you're out of work. That's a storm. You know, and then you think maybe your marriage is solid and everything's going smooth, and then all of a sudden you find yourself a single mom. Or somebody you thought that was going to be with you the rest of your life all of a sudden decides, you know, to leave or, or, or passes away or, or whatever, and all of a sudden you're, you're left all alone. What do you do? You didn't see it coming. You know, so the reality is that storms are a part of our life. They're going to come and they're going to go, but how are we going to handle those storms? But I really believe that if we can tune our ears to the Holy Spirit and He's going to guide us and He's going to He's going to get us through every storm that we'll face. And John 16, says this. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have storms. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And if I can add, I've overcome the storm. Amen? So the question is that we all need to ask is not whether the storms are going to come or when they're going to come. We need to ask, what are we going to do when they do, when they do come? And so my point of this whole message is what we anchor our hope to will determine whether we survive the storm or we're overcome by it. So if you turn to Acts, the 27th chapter, we're going to, it's a long story. It's one of my, actually one of my favorites in the Bible. Uh, but I want to give you a little bit of background before we pick up uh, probably about halfway through. But in this story, the Apostle Paul and, and over 200 other prisoners were on this all-expense-paid cruise to, to, to Rome. <laughs> you know, thank you very much, right? And um, Paul had been in Jerusalem approximately two years. He'd been arrested uh, because the Jewish leaders had falsely accused him of... Um, inciting riots, blaspheming the temple, all kinds of things. So they, they locked him up. And basically, they demanded his death. 
But because Paul was a Roman citizen, it required that the Roman officials honored Roman law and provide him with protection and a fair, fair hearing. They couldn't just go out and kill him. And so Paul invoked his right as this Roman citizen and requested to appear before Caesar and, and go to his court in Rome. And so if you read that part of the story, the trip really starts out pretty well. They, they take off, they're sailing, they, they get to a place called Fairhaven and they switch ships. And Paul gets this really prophetic word and said, guys, there's a storm coming. I don't think it's safe to sail. But the pilot of the ship said, nah, we're going to go anyway. We're just going to take off. And on their way, what I call a perfect storm swept in. And they threatened, it threatened their lives. It threatened their cargo. It threatened everything that they had. And that's where I want to pick up the story. And we'll start in verse uh, 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a nor'easter swept down from the island. And the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. And as we passed to the lee of a small island called Kada, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. This thing was falling apart. And because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor, which basically means they lowered the sails, and let the ship be driven along. And we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now, this was Luke writing this, so he's got a first-hand account of what's going on. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And, you know, when we're in one of these other types of storms, there's a point where we can just give up all hope, can't we? And after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. And he goes, Wait a minute. We're, we're, the ship's falling apart. What do you mean we're not going to? We've been at sea a long time. We've seen this happen before. But he says, only the ship is going to be destroyed. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, these guys are going, Paul, we're on the ship, <laughs> right? And it's going to be destroyed. But he, he encourages them and said, no, you're going, to, you're going to live. Do not be afraid. You must stand, or I'm sorry, I skipped a part there. Uh, last night, uh, an angel of, the, of God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it's going to happen just as he told me. 
Nevertheless, <laughs> I love this. We're going to run aground, <laughs> and the ship's going to be destroyed. But the whole thing is that, that they, were, they were scared. Everything was falling apart. They were hopeless. But Paul gave them a promise that he had received from the Lord. And it just goes on to say on the 14th day, we were still being driven across the Atlantic. So they were, they were in this turmoil, in this storm for 14 days. And I want you to put yourself on that ship for a minute. I mean, this ship is going up and down and left and right. I'd be over the rail heaving. I'd be chumming, I'd be chumming, chumming sharks right, <laughs> right about that time, right? And, uh, and so these guys were seasick. They were scared. And along comes Paul to give them this encouragement. So for 14 days, the ship was thrown around, it says. And it was driven, being driven by the storm towards to sandbars. And the whole crew was panicked, but Paul was calm. Paul stood confident. He stood secure that, that they were going to survive the storm no matter how powerful that storm happened to be. So what was it that kept Paul so cool and confident. See, the story goes on to say that in an effort to save the ship and their lives, that they threw four anchors into the sea, and they tried to steady the ship with those anchors. And that's what the um, sailors would do at the time. They'd, they'd drop these anchors and hope that one of them would catch on something that was solid and, and be able to, to steady the ship instead of letting, it, letting the wind take it wherever it wanted to. But it says that basically the anchors just dug, drug along the bottom. They couldn't find anything solid to hold on to. And they were at the mercy of the storm. But despite all their efforts, the ship continued to be driven, the, storm tell, or the story tells us, and it was doomed. Now, they threw their anchors overboard, right? They were hoping to catch on something solid, but they couldn't find anything. They were ineffective. But I see something in the story that Paul had anchors of his own. He didn't throw his anchors into the sea. He threw his anchors up to heaven because he knew that's where the rock was. He knew that was his solid place that he could tie into and 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 be held steady no matter how bad that storm got. Paul knew that nothing below him was strong enough to hold him steady in a storm. He put his trust in heaven. And he knew he needed an anchor that was going to hook into something that was solid, that was firm, that was something that was secure. And, you know, there's, there's a point to this that an anchor is only as good as what it holds on to. And so here's a question. When a storm comes into your life, what do you anchor to? What do you anchor yourself to? When those unexpected storms come, what do you, what's the first thing you reach out and hold on to? Now, there's an old hymn in the church that on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. He's a rock. We need to hold on to him. Now, 
One thing about anchoring to a rock or to something solid is that you, you, you throw your anchor out or say you tie around, around a, a rock that's sticking out of the, the ocean and, you, and, you're, and the wind's blowing and the storm's coming and, and you're tied onto the rock, but that storm's still going to move you, isn't it? It's gonna, you're going to gonna drift, but you can only go so far because you're anchored to something that's solid. Now, when those storms come and we're anchored to Jesus, those storms are going to come, the winds are going to blow, all the things that, are gonna come, that come with the storm are going to happen, but we can only go so far. We're not going to get blown away. We're not going to be lost. We're not going to crash into the sandbar of life, right? We're going to be saved because we're anchored to the rock. So what are the anchors? Remember, the, they threw out four anchors, didn't they? Well, I came up with four anchors of my own. And basically, I've titled this message, The Four Anchors. <laughs> Obvious, right? So here's the first anchor that we need to hold on to when we're in these storms, these, these, these life storms. The first one is the anchor of God's presence. We need to learn to anchor to the presence of Jesus in our life. Because the veil's been torn. And we can step through the curtain into the inner sanctuary and we can anchor ourselves directly to God. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says this, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight, so if you could just maybe jot it down and look at it on your own. But it says this, We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf and he's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now listen to the New Living Translation of that. I love this. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. So this first anchor is anchoring to God's presence. Well, how do we do that? Well, you know, an anchor in, in, in the old days had two flukes, right? And as I was looking over this and praying over this, God, God showed me the names for the two flukes, worship and prayer. That's the anchor that gets us into God's presence. And I'll look at verse 23. Paul declared that last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. So Paul knew that even in the midst of this storm, he wasn't alone because God had sent an angel to calm him. God's presence was with him. He was, the, his presence was with him as much in the ship as it was in the prison. God never leaves us or forsakes us, does he? So maybe we can't experience the manifest presence of God like an angel standing right here. I wish I could. You know, but that doesn't mean we can't enter into the presence of God through worship and through prayer. He's still there. He's still watching over us. He's still leading us, and he's still protecting us. Matthew 28, 20 says, And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's, that's a promise, guys. And we'll talk a little more about that here in a minute. But listen to a couple other scriptures. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we know this one, 
I will fear no evil. Why? For he's with us. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's always watching. His eye is on the sparrow, right? He's always there. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. There's a story I read one time about a, a little boy who, um, he was in elementary school, and uh, his mother would actually pay an older uh, neighbor girl to walk him to school every day. Well, being a normal boy, he got tired of that and said, Mom, I can walk myself. I don't, you know, why don't you give me the money <laughs> instead of paying her, and I'll just walk myself to school. So this argument kind of ensued, right? And they're arguing back and forth, and, you know, he, he's begging her, please just let me go by myself. So finally she gives in. And so he begins to walk to school, and every day he, he's on his own. Well, years later, at a family gathering, they're sitting around, and, and he's probably in high school now or something like that, and he just starts bragging. He says, yeah, when I was little, I, you know, I told my mom I could walk by myself, and I could, you know, I don't need any. He starts laughing <laughs> over in the corner, and, and then he looks at her and says, why are you laughing, Mom? And she just laughs, and she says, he says, you, you are never alone. He says, every day that you went off out that door to walk to school, I was right behind you. I was always watching over you. And isn't that what God does? We, we don't know he's there all the time, but he's always there. Kind of like angels in the outfield. We're always watching, right? <laughs> so that's the first anchor. We anchor to God's presence. The second anchor is we anchor to the promises of God. It begins and if in uh, Acts 23, 11, it says, before that fateful trip even began, while Paul was in prison, it says, well, it, the story says his very life was being threatened. And then it goes on to say, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So now here on the ship, it's the basically, I think, the same angel that was talking to him that was in the prison. And if you go back to this story, it said, the same angel said almost the same thing. He said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Now, this wasn't a new promise. God was just reminding Paul of the old promise. And isn't that what we do sometimes? We want a new promise from God. God, give me something new. He says, well, I, always to I already told you what I'm going to do. I always told you what to do. He said, anchor to the old promise. It hasn't changed, right? Paul believed the promise. And so because of that, he was able to turn to the ship's crew and say, take courage, men, because I have faith in God that it's going to happen just as he told me, just as he promised. So he anchored himself to the promise, and as Paul weathered the storm, he, he, hang on, he hung on to that reassuring promise. And 
The promise was, Paul, you're, no matter what happens, you're going to appear before Caesar because I have work for you to do there, and nothing's going to steal that away. So for Paul, just having a promise from God was enough to strengthen him and give him hope and to see beyond the storm. That's how we see beyond the storm when we're in the middle of it. We go back to the promises of God, things he said to us directly, things that we've read in his word. The promise of God is true. So when all hope is gone, and here's my point to this one, you need to anchor yourself to the promises of God. Romans 4, 20 through 21, speaking of Abraham, Paul writes this, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. God has the power to do what he promised. You know, and the word is full of promises. And one commentator said there's 7,847 promises from God to man in the Bible. And there's 1,000 promises each to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. That's a lot of promises. And those promises are for us, too. Psalm 37.3, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will dwell in the land feasting on his faithfulness. So believing in the promises of God, in, in his word, it, it gives us a strong anchor that can hold us steady no matter what storm we're going through at the time. That's the second anchor. We have the presence, we have the promise. The third anchor is the plan of God, God's plan. Verse 24, don't be afraid, Paul. You're going to stand trial before Caesar. That was God's plan. The angel of the Lord came and ministered to Paul. It, it, he gave him God's plan that he was going to surely go to Rome and he was going to testify before Caesar and that he was going to spare everyone on board. That was God's plan. Later in verse 30, 42, it says that the soldier's plan was to kill everybody. But God had a different plan. God's plan was for everyone to live and for Paul to get to Rome. See, Paul had a purpose. Paul had a mission. But God had a plan to accomplish the purpose and the mission. God's plan always includes two things, folks. Protection and direction. It's like another anchor with two flukes. Protection and direction. Every plan has those two elements. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Protection, direction. Okay, the fourth anchor. The anchor of God's power. And I love this one. Verse 44 on down in that passage, it says, And it came to pass that they all escaped safely to land. See, if I'm in a storm, <laughs> I want to be anchored to the power of the one who can calm the wind and calm the sea. Right? 
I want to be anchored to, the, to him because God is the only one who's able to get us through the storm and land us safely beyond that storm. We can only see the storm, but he can see beyond it. And even though the storms look like they're going to prevail, you know, just like when I was in the boat with George, you know, I, th- I thought we were doomed and I was bailing water, right? I th- I, it was no way we we're going to make it, but we did. You know, but when we get to the other side and the waves have calmed down, the wind has ceased, the clouds begin to part and the sun comes out again, it's then that we can see that God was with us all along. He was with us in the middle of the storm. And I can promise you this, that there's no storm in this life that can sink you if we hold on to the anchor of the power of God. See, if God has the power to speak the universe into existence, right? If he has the power to speak and split the Red Sea, if he has the power to to raise the dead, if he can command thunder and lightning to cease, he has the power to get us through the storm to the other side. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, <laughs> you have made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. That's what we need to hold on to when we're in the storm. Nothing else, no one else is strong enough to get us through the storm we might be facing. Maybe you're in one right now. The only one that can get us through is Jesus. We need to hold on to him no matter how dark it gets. No matter how we're being torn apart or or whatever's going on in our life, he's always there. And we need to always trust him that he's going to get us through whatever we may be facing. I want to read just a couple more things to you if I can. Is this making sense to you guys? Because we're going to face the storms. But if we can use those four anchors, right? So Psalm 46, 1 through 3, this is out of the Passion Translation. And I love this. He said, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in times of trouble. You're more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear, even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving the mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of the stormy winds and the crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Is that powerful? See, God protected Paul. God protected everyone that was with him because Paul anchored himself to the presence, to the promise, to the plan, and to the power of God. And if we can use or learn to use those same four anchors whenever we're caught in a storm, whenever we're disillusioned, Wherever we're, whenever we're in despair, no matter what it is, no matter how fierce the storm is, 
His promise is God will carry us through. Do you believe that? Trust Him in the middle of a storm. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.